The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. With us is Daniel Murray, political correspondent with the Business Post and Brianna Parkins, Irish Times um, columnist and former Rosa Fralee contestant. Yeah, I was I didn't the Rose. No. I'm, I'm popery at this stage. I'm a dried husk. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise you were a Rose contestant. Yeah. It was, it was a while ago now. Sorry, this is not, it's not just now is the moment that it has occurred to me. <laughs> Obviously, the Rosa Tralee is in the news and we will get to that. But before we have to, we get to that, we have to wade through a lot of RTE. The Irish Daily Mail, um, 25 million euro bill to bail out RTE. And uh, under that, Backhurst proves he's not to be messed with. Irish Independent, RTE insists there will be no payoff for Tuberty. The Irish Examiner, RTE won't pay Tuberty a severance uh, after negotiations. And so on and so forth. Before we get into the nature of the negotiations and what of the future for RTE, my God, this has to be difficult for Ryan Tuberty. To go from a position of being the uh, the preeminent broadcaster in the country, having the late late, having Gabo's old radio show, being lauded, being highly paid, to being unemployed in six months? Yeah, I do think it is a bit awkward because for years the justification about not just his salary, but other RTE salaries, but was mostly in relation to him was we have to pay him this amount because there are other people out there. He could go across the UK. There are other jobs on offer. And now in the coming weeks, we will test whether that was true or not. So this could be very awkward for him. It's also one of those things, you know, they say about um, it is easier to find a new partner when you're in a relationship than when you're single. It's much more difficult to do when you're on the job market so publicly rather than when you have a gig. Oh, it definitely is. And and as Brianna says, I think we're going to see in the next couple of weeks the appetite that there is uh, for, for the likes of Tuberty in, in other stations. Anton, maybe you should be watching your back and expanding. <laughs> Clinging your, on to it with my teeth and e- fingertips. Expanding your coverage of JFK <laughs> and children's books just to make sure. Um, but look, it, it is a fall for, for, from grace. Uh, I think it was his agent, Noel Kelly, that described Tuberty as the most trusted uh, man in Ireland um, when they appeared in front of, of an Oireachtas committee. And uh, just a couple of weeks later, he is now without a job in RTE. Um, all of this has been really messy for RTE, really messy for Tuberty. There are questions about whether or not a legal case will will come down the line now. Um, but you do have to feel for him on a, on a personal level. God, taking a legal case, I mean, whatever the merits of the case, and he may have a, a uh, contractual case to uh, put before the courts, fairly drive a stake through the heart of the relationship with a potential employer, wouldn't it? Oh, you'd have to imagine that it would mean no return to, to RTE, but also it would be a circus, you know, a court case like that. And and you'd imagine there could be two grounds. One would be on the contractual side, which Tuberty seems to think that the you know c- contract was still uh, was still in place. But there's also potential for defamation there as well. He's very aggrieved by the way he was portrayed by the RTE board. And in some instances, they seem to have misportrayed him, certainly with regards to earlier payments between 27 17 and 19. So he could have a viable case, but the, the idea of a court case for him, I mean, he'll be weighing it up not only from a, a legal point of view, but from a public relations point of view as well. And he may just want all of this to be over and, and done with. So as you analyse it, Brianna, where did it all go wrong? Because it looked like things were getting back on track. It was, for me, the press release. And, you know, you've got to understand that Backhurst is in an incredibly difficult position. Because, this is the new Director General. Yes. So really, accountability is a key word. And the funding future of the organisation, the public broadcaster, really hangs on whether the public and also politicians believe that this wrong has been corrected and people had been held accountable. So he really, there's no room for error. There's no like, you know, an island you call like the here defence. Do you know what I mean? Where we, we kind of let people get away to a certain degree. Like we have a running joke that if you watch, you know, Reeling in the Years, you'll see like scandal. 
inquiry, nothing happens. So this is quite rare that someone is being quite publicly, um, you know, seeing consequences. And whether you think that's fair or not, whether you think that, you know, he should or he wasn't involved in the undisclosure of payments and that the Grant Thornton report did exonerate him to a degree around that. Um, but I think prematurely releasing that statement probably didn't help things. Now, to the statement, what was he or the people around him thinking? I mean... Generally, in crisis management, you're told to wait. It's just like, wait for the dust to settle, then make a statement. You see people getting in trouble all the time, trying to jump the gun. I think he he honestly, you know, I can't speak for him, to be honest, like I'm not in his head. But I think that if you feel wrong and you are looking for that way of like, see, I told you I wasn't, I was innocent, and you feel really aggrieved and you feel that kind of defensiveness and you're looking for that proof that I was right, I'm in the clear all along, um, that probably will incite you to do something like that. I mean, if we go back Just to... Just sit in that mic a wee bit, Daniel. Yes, if we go back to the morning um, when they appeared in front of the Oireachtas Committee, I remember all of the various journalists who were poring over the documents that they'd submitted. There was kind of shock and surprise at just how strident uh, they were being and certainly they were presenting from some very strong evidence that the narrative that had been out there, some of it was was incorrect. The so they being Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty. Them being uh, Noel Kelly and, uh, and Ryan Tuberty. So... Um, Ryan and his uh, and his PR team releasing that statement the other day saying that his 2020 and his 2021 payments now aligned with what had been published by RT uh, originally. That really was them, you know, continuing uh, that kind of strident nature that they've had, that we've done nothing wrong and Tuberty saying that he... he but it is to ignore the Renault deal, which was at the heart of this matter. Well, it? exactly. And that's what gets to the heart of it is that right the way through, they have always argued that the Renault deal was a totally separate commercial deal. I think a lot of people found that very difficult to take in the context of separate salary uh, negotiations. Um, But if you can imagine an alternative scenario for Kevin Backhurst, imagine during the week, Wednesday morning, he had said, Ryan Tuberty is going to be back on air. And then broadcasters like yourself doing their job when he came in for interview and saying, but Ryan Tuberty released a statement yesterday saying that his 2020 and 2021 payments were actually accurate. That seems at odds with RTE's position. It put Backhurst in an impossible position ultimately and he had to weigh those things up and, and took the decision. The decision. See, this is the bit in this that I, I absolutely baffles me. I would have thought that people around Ryan would be saying, look, Ryan, the Director General is incentivized to publicly execute you. Mm. He's incentivized to do that. He, it, it is an advantage to him to look tough in this situation. Therefore, tread very lightly. On top of that, you are two weeks away from being handed a microphone that you can use ad, ad infinitum. You can say it and you like over the coming months. Why would you put out a press release? Again, I think it's this sort of understanding of, um, well, misunderstanding of his place in the nation. And, you know, we saw that in, you know, the quite amusing, um, you know, showdown in the the community stage of just like, Daddy, why is the toy man in, in the nudes? Do you know what I mean? I think this is like, but I must for the children show that I'm innocent um, kind of vibes around the whole thing. But I do think it was this, I must prove that I'm innocent and regain the public trust. And I think maybe it was a reputational defence over a long-term career strategy. And Kevin Backhurst had had said himself that he expected a certain level of contrition from Ryan Tuberty, you know, and possibly even an apology at some stage. And and neither of those seemed to be forthcoming uh, in this. So Ryan Tuberty believed he had been the one that was really wronged in all of this and wronged by RT and, and he wasn't willing to budge from that position. So what now for Ryan Tuberty? 
It's a very good question. Um, I think in the coming months, uh, certainly he'll be shopping around to see if there's any interest here in Ireland in alternative broadcasters, maybe even looking over to, to, to the UK. Um, but whether or not there is an appetite for, for him uh, in those organisations, it just isn't clear yet. Um, obviously, Pat Kenny made the move across from RT uh, years ago to, to News Talk, so it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he could find himself uh, in another station. There's been talk also of does he do a podcast deal he could do that independently Eamon Dunphy has 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 made um, makes great money out of his uh, his independent podcast now God it's a saturated market though isn't it it most certainly is but you know if what Tuberty has said all along which is you know that he has an audience and that there's there's an appetite there for him then maybe he can he can make it work but it podcast is, is very difficult and you have to get a good sponsor on board and you have to get big listenership so all of that is going to be put to the test in the coming weeks and months and let us be clear it's also a lot of hard work because all most of the hard work in radio is done not in front of the microphone but behind the scenes. The production and research is mm. where all the sweat comes from. If you're doing a podcast, you either have to employ a team which you don't have because they're part of the RTE setup or you have to do it yourself. That's hard yards. Oh, very hard. Uh, nor mind having to have equipment and, and all the rest of it. Where do you do it from? Do you do it from home? So the best option for him would be to attach himself to some kind of an organisation. But but the question is whether or not there's an appetite for him in those organisations. I mean, I do think we're moving away, and don't freak out, Anton, from the marquee personalities and people like news companies valuing that and willing to hand over large amounts of cash to presenters. I mean, like we saw this in Australia a few years ago. You know, our top presenters are on a couple of million per year. Um, but what we're seeing is it's never been so diffuse. You know, people are getting their information from podcasts, which can be made much cheaper by or at home, um, or TikTok or all these kinds of different mediums. So I don't think, you know, broadcasting from traditional radio or TV gives you that same legitimacy as it used to. It was kind of conferring of like, this person is good and we should listen to them. But you can get that on any, any other platform now. Young people don't really differentiate. Don't forget as well, Anton, that there had been rumours going around before all of this uh, crisis broke that Ryan Tuberty was considering a run for the presidency. Now, Ryan never confirmed that, but I would say that those plans, if they ever were actually there, have been well and truly put to bed now. You see, that's the thing that I think must be so difficult for him. If you track Ryan Tuberty's career, when, when Ryan got his first gig on the full Irish back in 2FM, it was a roaring success, like a huge success. He built a massive audience for that at the time handing over to Jerry Ryan. He then went and got... Uh, the Marion Finucans as was, but ultimately the Gay Burn Hour, the Tuberty Tonight program, actually Rosa Tralee, he was a success on that, got the Tuberty Tonight show, it was a huge success. And He has had unending success to this point and then off a cliff edge. That has to be very difficult personally. Oh, it, very difficult personally, could be very difficult financially um, uh, as well. So you can't help but feel for him on a personal level um, and he seems to be a nice guy. Um, so, uh, you know, whether or not he can find something outside of there. Also, RT, Kevin Backhurst has said the door is open um, in the future. Just how much Ryan Tuberty will want to push on that door mm. uh, again after what he's been through. Um, I, I just don't know that, that, that he'd be Although there is a long legacy. I mean, Marty Whelan and his break for a century and then he came back in through that door. Sean O'Rourke with all of these overblown Golfgate stuff. He has come back into the fold through a podcast. So there is evidence that it is possible. It's just a matter of time. Uh, uh, Tech saying, Tuberty thought he was home and dry and decided to ease his way back on air and in the halls of RTE by releasing a press release, in my opinion. Another, I think the RTE Director General has been too harsh in letting Ryan go. Another, how has D Forbes not been mentioned since June? Well, a lot of the coverage would suggest that D Forbes is still too unwell to uh, engage in any of the reports, analysis or Iraqis committee appearances. But also, you know, 
at that level, she resigned from the board as well. So unless there is, you know, a, a different inquiry or a different power investigation and possibly powers to suggest charges, we won't probably see her again. Do you know, there has to be a, like a, a legal will to, to get her in front of people to answer questions. And there was some criticism of the RTU board for accepting that resignation at the time because suddenly all of the kind of processes for accountability of a director general of a semi-state organisation um, vanished in, into thin air and um, only on her own free will will she cooperate or ever appear in public. Mm. Um, and the longer this goes on, the, the more you think that that's not going to happen. Do people still care? I think people still do care. Um, possibly the amount people care will decrease now that the kind of figurehead of this whole crisis, Ryan Tuberty, has moved on from it. it. It has been his face on the front of newspapers the whole way through. I think where this story will move now ultimately, and it, it is probably the more serious end of the story, is to the funding um, of RTE. Uh, TV licence fee payments are down off the back of this crisis. Um, before any of this crisis had started, RTE had already requested 35 million in interim funding. The possibility is that there could be an extra 20 million on top of that just from reduced license fees. But the government are not going to hand over that money without serious commitment to reform from the organisation. And then they have to consider longer term reform uh, to the license fee. Do they bring in a new media levy? Do they collect it uh, directly from revenue? Is it just direct exchequer funding? All of these questions well, have to be figured out. As a political out. correspondent, explain the way up for the politicians in this because the kind of issues that you are detailing there have been known and publicly discussed in relation to RT for now more than a decade. I mean, when back when Pat Rabbit was the, the Minister for Communications, there was discussion about the media charge that would encompass more than the TV licence fee and the ball was rolling in that happening and then it, it um, ceased rolling. From a politician's perspective, how do you justify to your electorate, look, I'm going to reach into your pocket for taxpayers' money to throw tens of millions at RTE in this context? It's very difficult, but in some ways they've already committed to interim funding because the Future Media Commission, which released its report last year, um, said that there was a funding gap for RTE. It had to be filled in in the short term, uh, but it had only projected funding gaps of about 16 million. That's already grown and is likely to grow further because of the licence fee decreasing. That is very difficult for the government. They're facing other budgetary decisions. This is something they have to factor in now and money that goes to RTE is money that won't be spent elsewhere. In the longer term as well, I mean, the Future Media Commission, its recommendation was that funding for RTE should be directly exchequer funded. So that means just coming out of the general pot of funding. The government rejected that out of hand. It was actually the only recommendation of the Future Media Commission that they rejected out of hand. It was probably the most important recommendation that they that they had made as well. Um, but that was a difficulty for the government because there was a kind of a there's, a, there's a difficulty with funding directly from the exchequer in terms of the kind of Chinese walls that you want to see between an independent media organisation um, and, and the government. Um, and then, of course, it would mean that the government would have to find a way to raise that money elsewhere uh, out of the general pot. That means more taxes. Does it mean increasing income taxes? Does it? How do you go about doing that? Uh, I think the options on the table now of the various options on the table, the most likely one is a new media levy that's directly correct, uh, collected by revenue, has nothing to do with the TVs, which many people don't 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 have uh, oh, anymore. That's going to go down like a lead balloon publicly, isn't it? Uh, you would imagine it would, um, but they have to take the risk out of people being able to not pay their TV licence fee and they have to have a separate funding stream for public service. Which of course is what's happening now. We're seeing people saying I'm not paying the licence fee. We're seeing a precipitous yeah. drop in it because I assume people are thinking you're going to walk me into a court in the face of all of this? 
I mean, I find your funding model absolutely insane. Your f- <laughs> oh, your it's your funding now. model. Oh, I see. You lot, you two specifically. <laughs> um, no, I find the Irish and you know any TV license funding in the year of 2023 insane because you, the whole funding model money that will support your public broadcaster is dependent on whether someone is quick enough to hide from someone at their front door. That like try explaining that out loud. Like that is that is to me insanity. Of course people aren't going to pay the TV license. Um, you know, the the threat is just isn't there when they get caught. And uh, so the way it works in Australia is it's four cents a day, comes out of your pay. It's no different to any other tax. You don't know you, there's no like separate media levy. It all just comes out in your in your taxation. We pay lower taxes anyway. Um and yeah, it funds the public broadcaster and it's the best four cents to spend for us because you know, we do have a bigger population, so you can fund a, a, you get more funding that way, there's more people to tax. But also our public broadcaster has to go into all these tiny little small towns and warn people of when a fire or a flood is coming, like we have to have shortwave radio because you can't get radio signal in some parts. So I think it's... That's, Plus everything that's in Australia tries to kill you. The insects yeah, try to kill exactly. you, the rodents try to kill you, the You've weather tries to kill you. have a warning system. So I do think that there, there is an argument there for building it into our taxation. And I know people get cranky about like, what if I don't watch the public broadcaster? Hang on, I don't have kids, but my tax funds people to get their child benefit, which is not means tested, by the way. So like some kid called Tarquin doing polo lessons is being funded by me on my meager salary. But that's fine. Tax is the subscription service you pay for living in society. And you would hope that there is an easy case to be made for, you know, the value that the public places on public service broadcasting and therefore making the case for, you know, a separate levy or, or tax around it would be would be easier. But having said that, there was a case to be made for funding the upgrading of our water net- networks and the bringing in of water charges was obviously met um, with with serious uh, resistance and was eventually was eventually dropped. But that's part of why all of this is a big problem for, for Kevin Backhurst is when he keeps talking about restoring trust in the organisation. Yes, he's partly talking about staff and morale, but really he's talking about trust from the public because it is the public that have to be on board with funding the public service. Although what a great, if you're the incoming DG, to be able to arrive in and say, essentially, if I finish my term and the thing is upright and not on fire, it's a roaring success. I mean, that's a great way to kick off as being DG. He's also been given a free hand to completely and utterly reform the organisation. And, you know, it's been very obvious for many years it has been a very difficult organisation to reform. So, you know, crisis begets these kind of changes and he now has an opportunity to actually implement real Very interesting reaction by text at 53106. This was the best thing that ever happened to RT. It needs an overhaul. Far too much paid to its so-called stars. Another RT should get rid of 2FM, Lyric FM, one orchestra at least, cut all the salaries, no one to earn above €100,000, streamline the staff, etc. Uh, another um, presenter popularity is and always has been overestimated. Um, in Tuberty's case, he's Marmite. A lot of people don't care as they struggle with day-to-day cost of living and other more important issues. And again, if you look at the JNLRs, his average quarter hours are, I think, the highest in the country, maybe second only to Morning Ireland. Another, I think RT should focus on the public service remit and quality versus quantity. Well, on the subject of quality output, Rose of Tralee. <laughs> This brings us, Brianna, to your um, former status as the Sydney Rose. The Rose of Tralee has um, taken a huge leap into the modern era. No longer is it just a man um, hosting the um, National Lovely Girls competition. There is now a woman involved. That's correct. After years of people sort of, and I, by, by people I say me, um, I wrote a column about it about five years ago about how Potentially, you could look at modernising. And um, so this year, there's a, as a female host, also married women are allowed to enter now. That was that was a big Heavens. thing. Yeah, married women and women with children can enter. So and they've upped the age limit by slightly. It's still it's still under thirty, but it's 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 creeping up there. 
So there's been a few modernization changes. Obviously, people will say, look, that's not far enough and it feels tokenistic at this stage. Can't we just have a or like a female host? Why do we need uh, a man there? But also, I'm guessing for legacy reasons, it's like you don't want to upset the grannies and the people who are used to seeing Dahi hosting. So we've always had Dahi O'Shea, now we're going to have Dahi O'Shea and Catherine Thomas. Yes, so maybe it's a transitional period, but also Dahi just is is a nice host. And, you know, having been on the stage with him, he's very protective of, you know, say a nervous young woman who is, you know, terrified of speaking in front of the camera. Dahi is just a nice person. He's a nice person. He wouldn't throw her under the bus. He's, he's quite gentle and he, he minds people on stage, which is a real skill in, in presenters. So um, I'd hate to see him just lose his job, but at the the other hand, you're like, actually, I think it's time. I would love to see someone like Joanne McNally or um, Alison Spittle, like a female comedian who can have a bit of crack with it and can kind of get on that self-deprecating level and sort of have that like, this is the crack. We know it's a bit it's a bit weird, but that's the joy of it. Why did you can handle that? Why did I do it? Um, my Just what happens if you're in the Irish... Uh, Australian diaspora, which is, I grew up in the Sydney Irish community in Sydney. Um, if your family does not send at least one girl, you know, it's sort of like offered as a sacrifice. Someone's <laughs> got to do it. Um, but actually, and I wrote this, uh, this is in my column today in the Irish Times and giving that a shameless plug. Um, but Irish audiences don't realise that the Rose of Trilly is not for you. It's actually for the diaspora community. Um, and there are, come March, you will find community halls all over America, all over Canada, all over Australia, of old men setting up chairs. And it'll be, these are the same volunteers that have been there for 20 years. And the Rosa Trilly is their touch to home. So they'll be organising these dances, these balls. And if the Rosa Trilly shut down tomorrow, they would still do that. They would still pick a girl from the community because it's about community organisation. But is it not their touch point to a home that has long since disappeared? It is a John Hind postcard myth, is it not? I mean, there's uh, this common theory that when immigrants leave a country, they also leave it stuck in time. So they bring the values of that time and say, well, actually, that's just that's called being Irish. I'm like, no, that's being Irish in the 1960s. So, but that's really important to them. You've got people who never could return home, like people who left Ireland for economic reasons, like my grandparents, who could never really go back. It was just too expensive. So this was all they had. So it's really important to people in those communities. Um, and also young people, young people who are also forced to leave their country for the same economic reasons as people did 60 years ago. Um, it's really important for them to have that touchstone and just that, you know, when you're far away, you become oddly patriotic. Like I've become a hundred times more Australian than I ever was at home. Um, you just feel this weird connection to it. So I do think it's important for those diaspora communities. So slag away because it's not actually for you. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Also, it has to be said, a good time for Catherine Thomas because she's one of the ones tipped to maybe get the nine o'clock slot on RTE1. Not a bad out time. Yeah, certainly a, a, pl- a platform, a short-term platform where the nation will be watching you. Um, so it might not only be the roses being assessed, but Catherine uh, over the coming weekend. But I have to admit, the Rosa Trilly was never a big feature in, a, in our household, so I don't have a particular grow for it. Never but wanted to be an escort. Never wanted to be a, an escort or a rose. Um, but watching it from the outside, like it's a strange event. In one ways, it's completely inoffensive. You know, it's a very innocent type of event. It seems to uh, promote good values. Um, but 
it's hard to get away from the sense that it is a kind of a beauty pageant by proxy um, and that, that we've moved beyond that uh, as a country. I think maybe one way of addressing that would be to open it up to men as well and crown a king and queen rose at the end and get uh, various men, maybe even you would enter yourself, Anton. It's always been an ambition. Up on stage <laughs> doing their various talents. Um, but honestly, that would be one way. It's hard to get beyond the sense that you're, you know, lining up a big group of women and, and judging them, whether it be on talent or otherwise. Uh, but we're always being judged. <laughs> That's the thing. I know people say this, and like to to be a woman is to be judged constantly. So why not do it on your own terms? Well, true, and and have, <laughs> and have a financial prize Incentive at the end of it the as end. well. Do they yeah. win money? I thought they just got a. Yeah. Is there cash at the end? They win cash. They what win. Do they? I don't know what the amount was. Oh well, that changes everything. I think it's like a, like in the tens of thousands, but no. that has to be spent on travel as well. So you going you know over to the states to do like the New York parade and all different kinds of stuff. So you can you can actually burn through that pretty quick. Mm. You got to live off that as well. Before we wrap up, there is a story. I think it is in the Irish Independent. It relates. I think it it is springing from the Gardaí uh, refusing to allow or changing their policy in relation to uh, visible tattoos on serving members, and it's a detailed breakdown of the job stopper tattoos. Have either of you got tattoos? Yeah, I'm quite covered, um, especially in my lower body. And I remember, uh, so I do have a tattoo that here that slightly comes up in my blazer uh, or a long shirt. And I remember like a, one of my first jobs in telly, uh, the director of news was like, you'll never get a job and you won't go far and you'll never work in TV. And, you know, irony is here I am still working as a journalist and he got made redundant. So, you know. She I, says <laughs> with a certain triumphalism. You know, but I'm like, th- those attitudes are long gone and, you know, it's easy to hide tattoos as well. Well, I have no tattoos and I think my wife would kill me if I even considered getting one. But I mean, I don't find tattoos offensive at all. The only time in a professional context you'd even note somebody's tattoo is if it was right across their face, which is a very rare um, occurrence. But unless a tattoo is in and of itself offensive for whatever it's displaying, I think we live in an era now where people are allowed to do what they want with And their they're bodies. so ubiquitous. They're like navels. Everybody has one. Exactly. I mean, you don't even notice, to be honest, anymore unless somebody uh, points it out or like I say, unless it's up somebody's neck or, or, or across their face. And even in those cases, people should be allowed to do what they want with their bodies and it should have no impact on, on in a professional sense, it should have no impact on them. Have you ever toyed with getting one? Have you ever considered, and if so, what would it be? I think uh, when I was on a sixth year or a post-leaving cert holiday years ago, there was a number of people considering it and in a nearly in a weak moment I, I would have gone for it I'm very glad that and I what would it have been oh who I mean who knows what it would have been a gecko or love love life laugh down my back or something I was expecting a gecko and uh, Brianna final word to you which is your favourite of your significant coverage um, I have some really terrible tattoos I basically I think the biggest deterrent of getting a tattoo is having to explain to some annoying stranger in a smoking section, like, what does it mean? I'm like, it meant I had too much money and not enough impulse control. <laughs> That's what it means. But I do have a, a large one on the back of my leg that I quite like. Uh, text uh, of what? It's a like it's sort of a line drawing um, that my friend did. So yeah, and he's not with us anymore. So that's my my, my favorite. Yeah. Tech saying Rosa Tralee winner gets a travel prize worth 25,000 Holy mother of divine 25,000 euro to travel the world Brianna Parkins Irish Times columnist and of course herself former Rose of Tralee uh, entrant and Daniel Murray political correspondent with the Business Post guys thank you both very much The Anton Savage Show Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.